Delighted that you're here, and I hope you've got your Bible with you this evening. We talk about a principle that will help us to live better lives and serve God. One writer said that long-suffering is patience in spite of troubles, especially those caused by other people. I like that quotation. Another writer said, long-suffering is the greatest life survival virtue. I say amen. Let's talk a little bit about long-suffering tonight, and we're going to focus on the following areas. We're going to talk about what it is, what is long-suffering. If you were to be asked, are you long-suffering? You say, well, yeah, I think I am. I'm supposed to be. What does that mean? So what is that? What does it mean to be long-suffering? We're going to see that that's a characteristic of God. What does that mean that God is long-suffering? And in what areas has he been long-suffering? And why is he long-suffering? And then we're going to talk about how it works in our lives. What difference does it make? If, if you are a long-suffering person, how are you different than if you were not long-suffering? And then we're going to seek to answer those as we go along. Let's start with this. Let's define our words. Since we're trying to come to an understanding of what long-suffering is, the Bible demands it. We'll look at those passages a little bit later. What does this word long-suffering? Let's just take, for example, Galatians 5 and verse 22. We'll read this passage later. You don't have to turn there. One of the works of the flesh, or one of the, the fruits of the Spirit, rather, in contrast to the works of the flesh, one of the, the ideas of a, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. We are to develop long-suffering. We are to become long-suffering if we're not. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look at some lexicons that define this word that is translated long-suffering. Strong says it means longanimity. Well, that helps us a lot, doesn't it? Forbearance, that helps us, though. Fortitude. Well, let's go a little further. Vine says it means forbearance, patience, long-suffering. It's a compound word, macros, meaning long, and thumos, meaning temper. It is usually rendered long-suffering. So you see the idea. In Vine's definition, it means to have a long temper. More about that in a moment. Thayer says it means patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance. As in Colossians 1, we'll read Colossians 1 later. Patience, forbearance. Long-suffering, now this may help us when Thayer says, slowness in avenging wrongs. And interesting, he cites Romans 2, 4, which is not talking about us, but is talking about God. God is long-suffering. He is slow in avenging wrongs. And there's a reason for that. So when I'm talking about being long-suffering, or the text talks about being long-suffering, it has to do with steadfastness, patience, forbearance, slowness in avenging wrongs. Now, BDAG says it means the state of remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome. I like that. Patience, steadfast endurance. Talk about someone enduring through some trials. They are long-suffering. They are tranquil while waiting on the outcome. It may be the outcome of what's going on with me, like we've been uh, or with you, some trial or tribulation as we've been talking in the book of Revelation, or Job's case, for example. Secondly, he said it means 
the state of being able to bear up under provocation, forbearance, and patience toward others. Well, we're beginning to get an idea. Now let's talk about what the word literally means. We've already talked about this word macros and thumos, meaning long in temper. So literally the word means long-tempered as being opposed to short-tempered. Perhaps you've been around somebody who said, well, they've got a short temper. They are short-tempered a short-tempered person. They are a person that, that doesn't endure. They, they are just the opposite of all those qualities we just mentioned. Well, if I can understand what short-tempered means, then I understand what long-tempered means. That's long-suffering. That's the idea. Now, how is the word translated? This word that is translated long-suffering in Galatians 5.22 is used 14 times in the New Testament. 13, it is translated long-suffering. But only one time is it used, is it translated as patience. Let's go to James chapter 5 and look at verse 10. James 5 and in verse 10, verse 11 is a passage that says, you've heard of the patience or the perseverance of Job. But that's not the word I'm looking at. I'm looking at verse 10 where the text says, uh, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. That word patience is the same word that is translated long-suffering. As the prophets went forth and preached like Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel in trying times where they preached in a little reaction like Jeremiah didn't have a convert, they're rebelling against him. Ezekiel, the same kind of re rebellion. And they were patient. They were long-suffering. So take the long-suffering of the prophets or the patience of the prophets. Now, Let's look at some comments, and some of these are from lexicographers. Lexicographers will give a definition, but then sometimes they'll comment. Barclay is a commentator, but he comments on the meanings of words. Macrothumia simply expresses a certain attitude both to, to people and to events, Barclay says. It expresses the attitude to people which never loses patience with them, however unreasonable they may be, and which never loses hope for them, however unloving or unteachable they may be. It expresses the attitude to events which, may, which never admits defeat, which never loses its hope and its faith, however dark the situation may be, however incomprehensible events may be, and however sore the chastening of God may be. It is a quality of which the New Testament commentators have given many a great definition. So here is the idea of endurance involved in long-suffering. We're going to see more about that here in a second. I like what Trent says. Trent says it describes a long holding out of the mind before it gives room to action or to passion. It doesn't mean that it never gives way to passion or to action, but Trent's captured the thought. When it's a long holding out of the mind, there is some problem that is agitating. There is a problem that I don't like. Here is something that is contrary to what is my wish. Maybe it's something that I think even is wrong, but I may be long-suffering. It's a long holding out of the mind before you give away to action or to passion. T.K. Abbott said it's a self-restraint which does not hastily retaliate the wrong. I have been done wrong. Long-suffering means I don't immediately retaliate. Plummer says it's the forbearance which endures injuries and evil deeds without being provoked to anger or revenge. 
Again, Barclay made the observation, we might well translate it, the power to see things through. But Barclay is not a lexicographer, though he functions in somewhat that capacity at times as a commentator. He's focusing on the definition of words that it may be well translated, the power to see things through, that you have the ability to see things through to the end. Vines, again, comments, and he says in his note that long-suffering is the quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation which does not hastily retaliate or, or promptly punish. It is the opposite of anger. It is associated with mercy and is used of God. We'll look at that passage later. Patience is the quality which does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It is the opposite of despondency and is associated with hope. Here's the idea of what's involved. ISBE says that another word that translated, that is in Hebrew translated, long-suffering means literally long of nose. He said that doesn't help me any. Or breathing. In other words, he says it's the anger which is indicated by rapid, violent breathing through the nostrils, long of anger, so slow of wrath or slow of nose, short of nose. Literally, it's the idea of, breathe, of not being angry. It's the opposite of anger is what ISBE is trying to suggest to us. Now, here's a summary of what we just saw. What is long-suffering? It is forbearance. I'm forbearing with an event, some circumstance, but especially people. It has to do with being patient with someone, enduring with something. Doesn't mean you're not agitated, but I'm, I'm not ready to react. I'm not ready to retaliate. I'm not ready to take action or passion toward them. It's a long temper. It's the idea of being slow to anger, a degree of restraint, seeing things through, enduring. I'm not surrendering. Not to be confused with being indifferent or being lazy. Some have the idea that you see someone who is totally indifferent to the circumstance. Oh, they're so patient. They're so long-suffering. No, they don't care. Long-suffering suggests I do care. I am bothered. I am disturbed. But I'm long-suffering. God is disturbed. God is bothered, but God is long-suffering. God's not indifferent. So don't confuse it with someone who's lazy and doesn't care and they're indifferent. That's not the idea of long-suffering. It's when you are bothered and you are caring and you are concerned, but then your reaction, though, is slow. That's the idea of long-suffering. Now let's consider the fact that God is long-suffering. If I understand that God is a long-suffering God, that helps me to understand what God might be expecting of me. So let's talk about some areas wherein God is long-suffering. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 20. God was long-suffering with the wicked world that existed before the flood. Verse 20 says, or actually verse 20 uh, one, uh, First Peter chapter three, verse twenty. I'm sorry. Uh, who formerly were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter six and see if I can understand a little better of God's long suffering. And that illustrates the point that we're not talking about being indifferent, not caring at all. I want you to notice at verse. Five, Genesis chapter 3 and in verse, or chapter 6, Genesis 6 rather than verse 5. Genesis 6 in verse 5 says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, 
and that every intent and thought of his heart was only evil continually. So man had reached the low and man had reached the, the depths where all he was doing was evil and all he thought about was doing evil. Look at verse 6. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man and it grieved him in his heart. God said, I will destroy man that I have created from the face of the earth. Is God bothered? Is God disturbed? Is God upset? Yes, God is bothered by the sin. This is as bad as it gets. God's going to wipe the earth of man. Let's go back now to verse 3. He said, man's days are yet 120 years. Now Peter comments by inspiration, when once the long suffering of God, is God bothered, is God upset, is God disturbed? He's ready to wipe the earth of man because man is so evil, but he waited 120 years to do that. So God's, God was patient, God was forbearing. God was working with man while a preacher of righteousness, 2 Peter 2, 3, named Noah, worked with the people trying to preach to them and warn them of the flood. But here's another area. I said we'd come to this. This was mentioned by one of the lexicographers a moment ago. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 34. God was long-suffering with the idolatry among his people. Now you remember in Exodus chapter 32 was the case where while Moses had been on the mount, the people had made a golden calf and so irritated Moses that he broke the tablet, you remember. Is God bothered? Is God disturbed? God is upset at the people for their idolatry. He's not indifferent at all. So when Moses makes the new tablets at the direction of God, here's what God said. Look at verse 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Now this is on the heels of that idolatry, that event of idolatry where God was upset and bothered and disturbed, and yet God describes himself as a long-suffering God. Does that mean God tolerated? No. Does it mean God approved? No. Does that mean God didn't care about that? No, he did care about that. He was long-suffering, though. And we'll see the connection of that here in a moment. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, as the people are acknowledging and confessing their sins in this post-exile period, there is some statements made about how Israel rebelled against God. And in that rebellion, he said they, verse, verse in their confession, here was the part of the confession, verse 17, they refused to obey this is talking about the history of Israel. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders. In other words, they forgot about God. They hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader, Aaron. Here's the, uh, the point being made. To return to their bondage, but you are God, now notice this, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Even in the rebellion, like the idolatry in Exodus, like in the wilderness, God was slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. So here are some areas wherein that was true. Now let's see how that applies to New Testament principles. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 now. God is long-suffering with reference to his coming again. God has promised he's going to come and destroy the world, punish those who are wicked, those who've rebelled against him. And yet God is long-suffering. And bringing the punishment and the end of the world. 2 Peter 3 and in verse 9. God is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. 
You see, the context is dealing with some who are saying God's not going to fulfill his promise. He said Christ is coming. He's not going to do it because he's waited all these years and he's not ever going to do it. God is not slack, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So what's the point of God's long-suffering? Why does God keep putting off the second coming? Why does he delay that? Why is God long-suffering with man, giving a man a chance to repent? Let's go to Romans chapter 2. I said we'd come to that. So let's go down to Romans chapter 2. The question is raised to the Jews concerning what, do, do you not understand, I'm paraphrasing, and, and do you misinterpret the, the kindness and goodness of God toward us? Do you not know that the long-suffering, do you, do you despise his, his riches and his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, there's our word, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? To God's tolerance, God's long-suffering is designed to bring men to repentance. Not to approve of the sin, trying to give man a chance to repent. We see the same thing in Romans 9 and in verse 22. Now let's talk about some connections here with that. That God is often described as a God of long-suffering or some quality that is equivalent to long-suffering and it's connected to these qualities. For example, let's go to Psalm 103. Let's go back to the book of Psalms, Psalm 103. And notice it is connected with mercy. That is mercy and long-suffering. One who is not long-suffering doesn't have much mercy. So let's notice in Psalm 103 and in verse 8. Here's a psalm that praises God for his mercy. That's what the whole psalm is about. But notice in verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. There is a connection between being slow to anger, long-suffering, forbearing, patient, and being a merciful God. If you are not long-suffering, you're not very merciful. If you are merciful, likely you're going to be a long-suffering person. See the connection? God is merciful and he's long-suffering. Let's back up to the 86th Psalm. And it is connected with compassion, feeling with, feeling for. That is, I feel with the person and I feel for them. Not that you approve. Not that you are tolerating in the sense that you're saying it's okay, but that there is a feeling for their condition and their circumstance. Look at verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. See, long-suffering is couched right in the middle of mercy and also this idea of compassion and being gracious. God is gracious, compassionate, merciful, and his long-suffering is tied right with that. Well, let's notice now in Jonah. Let's go to the book of Jonah, chapter 4, and in verse 2. Uh, Jonah 4 and in verse 2, I'm, I'm seeing that it's connected with forgiveness. And here's what Jonah said. Jonah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, I, uh, was, was not this what I said when I was still in the country? Therefore, I prayed previously to Tarsus. For thou know you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, there's your long suffering, we're not looking for that word, but the concept, abundant in long and loving kindness, and one who relents from doing harm. In other words, he said, I knew you were a forgiving God. I know you're a long suffering God, and you are a forgiving God. I know you will forgive them, and I didn't want you to do that. That was Jonah's point. We see the same thing in Numbers chapter 14 and in verse 18. It is connected with mercy, with compassion, and with being forgiving. 
Now let's spend the rest of our time talking about how we are to be long-suffering. I know what it means. And I see that God is a long-suffering God and why he's a long-suffering God. The Bible demands that we be long-suffering. So I encourage you to get your Bible. And let's turn to some New Testament passages. And even though we're compounding evidence, I want us to see the, the uh, uh, various passages that require us to be uh, long-suffering. Let's go to Galatians 5 and verse 22. Sometimes people take pride in the fact that, that I, don't have, I don't have much patience. I don't have much forbearance. I don't, I'm not long-suffering with people. Uh, I'm not, I'm always ready to retaliate. And what they're saying is, I don't want to be what God requires me to be. Let's see what the Bible says about what God wants us to be. Now, we've already talked about this context. There is the fruit of the Spirit. That is, here is the result of following after the teaching of the Spirit. That's the idea of fruit of the Spirit. That if I follow the teaching of the Spirit of God, then here's some things, some qualities I will develop. For example, verse 22, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, self-control. And I deliberately skipped one. And notice now at verse 22, long-suffering. That if I feed on the teaching of the Spirit and follow the teaching of the Spirit and develop the qualities the Spirit wants me to have, I will be long-suffering. Well, let's go to another passage. Let's go to this time of the book of Colossians. Go to Colossians chapter 1. This is Paul's prayer for the Colossians, what he desired for them to be. And I notice in verse 12, he said... Colossians 1, not verse 12, verse 11. God, he wants them to be fully pleasing to him, verse 10, uh, increasing in knowledge, strengthened with all might, according to the glorious power for all patience and long-suffering. Paul said, here's what I want for this church at Colossae. I know you're under a threat. There hasn't been a, uh, an apostasy. There's the danger of an apostasy. But what I want for you is to be strong in the faith. But I also want you to be long-suffering, he said. That's my prayer for you. I hope you grow and strong, strong to the point you are a long-suffering people. Same book. Let's go to chapter 3 now and in verse 12. This is talking about putting on the new man. You put off the old man, you put on the new. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on as if you're putting on a garment. Clothe yourself with uh, tender mercies, kindness, humility, humbleness of mind, meekness. And here's our word, long-suffering. Take long-suffering, put it on like a garment. Clothe yourself with long-suffering qualities. Let's go to another New Testament passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 10. This is talking about the perilous times in the context. Paul talks about the difficult times. It's grievous and difficult for the people of God. We live in terrible times. Why? Because verse 8 said men had departed from the truth. What's the answer? To point men back to the truth. But Paul said, now here's how I conducted myself in the midst of the perilous times. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. He said, I tried to, here's how I tried to live in the midst of this. I tried to be long-suffering even though, what, what, what were you dealing with, Paul? Let's go back to verses 1 to 5. He was living in a world wherein men were proud, verse 2, boasters, lovers of money, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, traitors, headstrong, lovers of pleasure, having the form of godliness. Does all of that irritate you and agitate you when you see it among brethren, see it in the world? Absolutely so. Paul said, I'll tell you how I conducted myself in the midst of that. I was long-suffering. Paul, are you saying that, that you approved of that? No, not at all. 
but I was just long-suffering in the midst of that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the chapter dealing with love. You're seeing various contexts where long-suffering fits. It may be a prayer for their growth. It may be Paul saying, my, my example. Uh, here's what you're going to need. 1 Corinthians 13 in the context of the qualities of love. If you have agape, the highest form of love, look at verse 4. Love suffers long. We talk about long-suffering. He words it in the opposite direction. It suffers long. This is what love does. Love will cause you to suffer long. You want to know how to develop it? Develop love. Let's go to James 1 and verse 19. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Be slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to anger. Does that mean you never get agitated? Mean you never get angry? Not at all. This simply means we're going to be slow. Let's notice one more passage. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul's talking about his own ministry here. And in verse 16, he says, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first Christ Jesus might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who would believe. So here I'm learning that God is showing long suffering through the conversion of Paul. As Paul now is converted and is preaching Christ, he's demonstrating long suffering to others. God wants us like God himself and like Paul to be long suffering. Now let's raise the question what it does in our lives. What difference does it make in my life if I am long-suffering? So let's just suppose for a moment that you realize, you know what, I've not been long-suffering and now I'm changing and from this point on I'm going to be long-suffering. What difference will it make in my life? Here's what it'll do. It'll defer anger. Let's go to the Proverbs now. And let's go to the 19th division of Proverbs. Proverbs 19 and verse 11. This doesn't mean we never get angry. In fact, in Ephesians 4, be angry and sin not, the text would tell us. Jesus himself got angry at the turning over the tables of the money changers. Long-suffering just simply means I defer my anger and my action. I put it off. It's not immediate. It's not quick. It's not short-tempered. It's long-tempered. Proverbs 19 and verse 11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. Overlook it in the sense that I just ignore. No, 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 no. That I approve of the sin, I say it's okay. No, 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 no. I'm just slow to anger. Slow to react. Slow to retaliate. Same book. Let's go to the 29th division and in verse 8. Scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. See, some are ready to set everything on fire and burn it all up. But a wise man turns away wrath. He's slow. He defers anger. You say, well, are you saying that we're never to be angry? No, 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 no. That's not what Ephesians 4 said. But long-suffering means I defer anger. All right, what else does it do for me? It not only defers anger, it allows me to get along with others and live in harmony with others. Now, we started with this quotation that it had to do with putting up with troubles, especially those and problems that are created by others that I'm long-suffering because others have created problems for me. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 now. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is in the context of, of striving for the spirit of unity, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, verse 3. 
And in this context, at verse 2, he's talking about attitudes and qualities that contribute to unity. If we're going to have harmony and unity, which we have here, there are some attitudes we need to have. Like what? Lowliness, that is humility. Gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You see, not only do we need to be united upon the principles of one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God, we need to have the attitude so that we can be united. And one of those is the idea of being long-suffering. We get along with others. Does that mean we always agree? No. Does that mean others don't irritate us? No. Does that mean that we're going to overlook the sins? of? No, 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 not at all. It just means we're going to be patient with others. Let's go again to the book of Proverbs. Let's go to the 15th division of Proverbs. And in verse 18, a wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to angers allays contentions. In other words, let me rephrase that. A quick-tempered, short-tempered person is going to stir up more problems, but one who is long-suffering is one who keeps contentions from developing. So show me a church where, where there's very few contentions, and I'll show you a, a, a church that must have a lot of long-suffering people. Show me where there's always agitations and, and there's little fires going all the time. There are people that are slow-tempered, I mean long-tempered, I mean slow-tempered, where they, they, don't, they react quickly to problems. Let's go again to Proverbs, the 25th division this time, and in verse 15. Proverbs 25 and in verse 15. By long forbearance, a, a ruler is persuaded and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. See, by long forbearance, by being long-suffering, you can persuade the leader. You can persuade someone to see it your way, to do what you want, to make the change of their mind. We get along with others and there is harmony. Here's something else it'll do. It makes us better teachers. Whether you're teaching in the pulpit are you teaching a Bible class? Are you teaching your children? Are you teaching your neighbor the gospel? How so? Well, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 4 and in verse 2. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Now, this is interesting that this follows on the heels of that chapter that talked about the perilous times. That men live so ungodly and so unruly and so wicked. And why do they, they've rejected the word? We've got to point them back to the inspired scriptures. That's the point of verse 16. Then he says, just a few verses later, preach the word. In other words, you preach that message to them that will change the world. They need to be converted. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. You see, as a teacher, we need to be long-suffering. We need to bear with them. Not every message you present is going to get an immediate positive reaction. It may need to be taught again and then again and again. And that might involve teaching your children. It might take some sessions before they get the point. It, your neighbor may not accept the gospel on the first time you teach them. They may reject it even. They may argue with you. You may be teaching a Bible class and you think they're, they're not getting it. And we have to be patient and long-suffering in the teaching of the truth. Well, here's something else it'll do. It is a manifestation of our wisdom. You say, I'd like to, to be wise. I'd like to be thought of as being wise. I, I want to show some wisdom. Well, being long-suffering will help us with that. Let's go again to the book of Proverbs, this time to the 14th division and in verse 12, uh, verse 29, I'm sorry, verse 29. 
He who is slow to wrath has great understanding. Slow to wrath, well, that was one of our definitions, slow to anger, of long-suffering. Let's read again. He that is slow to anger, let's, let's, let's put the word long-suffering. He that is long-suffering has great understanding, but he that is impulsive, that's the opposite of being long-suffering. He that is impulsive exalts folly. Someone who is short-tempered is, is demonstrating and manifesting foolishness. One who is long-tempered, long-suffering, manifesting some wisdom and some understanding. One more thing. Let's go to the 16th division in verse 32. Same book, book of Proverbs. Proverbs 16 and in verse 32. And what I'm seeing here is it's a manifestation of real power. We think quite often, before we read the text, that I'm showing real strength, maybe as a leader, as the head of the family, or maybe as a friend, I'm showing real power and real strength if I can pounce hard as I can the first time I notice some problem. I show my anger, but real power may be that I'm long-suffering and I'm patient as I work, trying to work through the problem and our differences. Let's notice chapter 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Slow to anger was one of our definitions of forbearance and long-suffering. He that is long-suffering, slow to anger, is better than the mighty, and he who rules his own spirit than he who takes a city. Now, the mighty is a person of power and strength. The one who can capture a city shows great power and great strength. The one that's long-suffering is stronger than that, he says. That's what it'll do. So what will it do in your life? Well, it's going to defer anger. It's going to help you get along with others, be a better teacher, more patient teacher, manifestation of wisdom and a manifestation of real power. So what have we seen? Well, we've been talking about long-suffering and the qualities of long-suffering. What is long-suffering about? What does it mean? We see that God is a long-suffering God. And that we are to be long-suffering. Barclay said this. He said, it well may be that this is the hardest task of all for an age in which has made a God of speed. That's interesting. In other words, we've, we've, we've made it in our society that everything needs to be done fast. Everything needs to be done quick. We're in the computer age where everything's quick and fast. And yet God argues, sometimes we need to slow things down just a little bit. This may be hard for us to be long-suffering when we think everything ought to be done suddenly and quickly. May God help us to be more long-suffering toward one another because He is a long-suffering God. There may be one more present this evening who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. Would you come tonight believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith? And be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and sing?